Okay, if we thought the last chapter was important, I mean, look at the title of this one, The Foundations of a Legal System. This is chapter six of Hart's Concept of Law. Our primary objective here is to think a little bit more about the rule of recognition that we learned about first in the last chapter among secondary rules and to think about what is necessary to identify something that we could think of as a legal system, to identify something that feels to us like a legal system. All right, so let's start with that. The Hart says that the rule of recognition is shown through practice and oftentimes is not entirely formulated in any text. What is the rule of recognition in the United States? As we know from the last chapter, it could be quite simple. It could be a complex mixture of lots of practices and rules. What is the basic rule that identifies law in our system and distinguishes law from things that are not law? Is it the Constitution? Some people say that it is. I actually don't think so. I want to talk about this. Now, whatever the rule of recognition is and whatever it may be elsewhere, if it's a rule, it has content, and that content might identify various other rules as being rules of the system, even if those rules are not followed. For Hart, law can be, or a legal system can be, totally ineffective and yet still count as law. And this doesn't just apply, I guess, to legal systems that tend to have, you know, laws on the books that are not enforced. Even if a law is only enforced sporadically, or if it's routinely violated and occasionally enforced. I mean, think about the speed limit, where, you know, technically on the highway, if you're driving over 65 or 55 or 75, depending on where you are, you are in violation of the law. Would you say you're in violation of the law? Or do you say that speed's not in excess of the law because of the chances that there will be some negative action taken against me, a fine, or, or even that I'll be pulled over, are virtually nil, unless I'm going really fast. So what is the speed limit really? I think we'll come back to this question a little bit later uh, in the course and, and maybe in our discussion. For Hart, a statement that something is the law, to say that, hey, that's the law, the law is so-and-so, is a statement about reasons and not a statement about prophecy. It's not a statement, it's not a predictive statement about what courts will do. It's a statement about reasons. And in particular, it's a statement that something is the law because it complies with the criteria set out in the rule of recognition. Okay, let's make that concrete. Now, now just assume for a second that you did think that the rule of recognition in the United States is the Constitution. Even if not, even if that's not the ultimate rule of recognition, it is a collection of secondary rules. And if someone asked you, is it the law in the United States that it's, I don't know, illegal to build an atomic bomb? Well, there's a statute about that. Well, so what? Does the statute just, is it just evidence of what courts will do in the future? And so I, I really only care about what I think a judge is likely going to do. I might only care about what a judge is likely to do because I'm maybe mostly concerned with what's likely to happen to me if I do build a bomb, if I'm inclined to do so. By the way, I am not. But if someone asked whether that statute was part of the law of the United States, would you say no, maybe, or yes? I gather you'd probably say yes. And the reason you'd say yes is not because of any kind of prediction about what courts will do. It's because that statute was passed by Congress and signed by the president. And the Constitution recognizes the authority of the legislature and sets out those procedures for passing statutes. The Constitution identifies texts of this kind, texts which have been approved by both houses and signed by the president, as the law of the United States. 
And so, it is the law because it complies with the rule of recognition. That would be the argument, and it has nothing to do with prediction. Okay, so the rule of recognition is an ultimate rule. It identifies other rules. Now, there may be many other secondary rules in a jurisdiction or in a society that give powers to others to make law and recognizes law made by others. But there must be ultimately, ultimately, one ultimate rule, and we'll call that the rule of recognition, which identifies all other rules. Now, that's what we need in order to have a functioning legal system. And notice here that we didn't posit some ultimate authoritative body. There's no authoritative institution, uh, which is supremely authoritative. All we needed is this rule, and that you have a society of people, officials in particular, who will comply with this rule as a rule from the internal point of view. More about that in a second. But there does not need to exist a single supreme authoritative body. Notice how the Constitution in the United States restricts all institutions, the legislature, executive, and the courts, and famously divides them. And it even limits itself because it provides for the possibility of amendment. You might identify the ultimate authority in the United States as being the people, but the Constitution restricts how they can act. They can only act through amendment to amend the Constitution, and that's a complicated procedure. Okay. Isn't there a problem here, though? Why is the rule of recognition valid? Hart has set up a theory where primary rules, the laws, traffic laws, criminal laws, uh, contracts, everything else, all of these are recognized by secondary rules, and these secondary rules ultimately are recognized up the chain until you get to the ultimate rule of recognition. But what bit of law or what rule guarantees the validity of that rule? It seems like we're kind of in an infinite regress here, right? If every rule is a law of the system because there's a rule saying that that rule is a law of the system, well, it seems like we're just going to keep going on and on and on. If this is to be truly a positivist theory so that all law can be identified by social facts, what are the social facts that point us to the rule of recognition? What events, what happenings? Why is adherence to the rule of recognition a social fact? For example, why does the Constitution control our legal affairs? What, there's, there's no other, there's no super Constitution that says the Constitution is valid. Why does it control our legal affairs? Well, Hart acknowledges the ultimate rule of recognition is the one for which there are no rules specifying its validity. And Hart even goes through the exercise of, of kind of going through the chain of law from a local enactment. What gives the local body the power to enact a law? What recognizes that? Well, maybe there's some local laws which dictate the procedures that a local entity has to go through to pass an ordinance. And if those are complied with, then the ordinance complies with those secondary rules and therefore is identified as law, but only if, only if the rules that set up the procedures for passing local ordinances are themselves recognized as valid law in the system. And for that, maybe we look at state law or maybe even lower, maybe the town charter or something like that, but eventually up to state law, which recognizes the power of a municipality to act. And that state law is valid because it was passed in accordance with the state constitution. And he's on up the chain. You see, we can go all the way up to the state constitution and for certain things, all the way up to the, to the federal constitution and, and maybe beyond. What, what's going on here? That ultimate rule that we wind up with the one for which the chain stops, the one where we can't point to any other rule telling us why we're doing what we're doing, 
it's not valid or invalid. To say something is valid or invalid as law is to say that there's a rule guaranteeing its validity or showing that the rule is not valid. Instead, the ultimate rule of recognition is accepted. That's A-C-C-E-P-T-E-D, accepted. But does this strike you as a cheat, that the rule is somehow just an assumption? Is it a cheat to get us to a coherent theory of positivism, or does it disprove positivism? Because in fact, we can't point to a social fact upon which this rule rests. To which Hart responds, no. Acceptance by the people administering it is a real social fact. He gives a great example here. He says, to express this simple fact by saying darkly that the rule of recognition's validity is assumed but cannot be demonstrated is like saying that we can assume but can never demonstrate that the standard meter bar in Paris, which is the ultimate test of the correctness of all measurement in meters, is itself correct. Now, the meter bar is kind of a fascinating story. This is an actual bar created back in 1889. It's composed of platinum and iridium and was supposed to give the standard value of a meter when it was measured at the melting point of ice. Interestingly, they got it wrong. They made it a little bit shorter than they had wanted to, but it didn't matter because after they made it, that was the meter. It's funny that this book, of course, came out in 1961, and in 1960, the meter bar was replaced as the standard for what a meter is by a certain number of wavelengths from the emission lines of a certain element. So, interestingly, by the time this book was published, it was outdated, but we get the point, right? That it seems a mistake to ask what what makes the bar that was there in Paris for so long, what made that bar correct, right? It just, it's not correct or incorrect. It's just accepted as the definition of a meter. So the question is, with respect to any proposal like that, do people accept it as valid or not? That's a matter of fact. It is either followed or it is not. People either accept it or they do not. From the internal point of view of officials, the rule is presupposed, and its contents provide reasons for the officials to recognize other statements as law or not law. So what makes the Constitution valid? We accept it. And here, uh, I kind of hesitated, but maybe I'll just hint at another possible understanding of the ultimate rule of recognition in the United States And that's the rule that says that the Constitution controls, the fact that the Constitution controls. Either you accept that the Constitution controls, in which case that's a reason to apply the secondary rules contained in the Constitution, or you don't think that it controls. But for Hart's theory, the important thing is to observe that whether people accept the Constitution as controlling is a matter of social fact. It's a fact in the world that we can point to. It's not a matter of moral judgment. It either is true or it is not true, although it could be hard to determine. But that doesn't change the fact that people either do or do not accept that the Constitution is authoritative. Okay, now much of the chapter then goes to describe kind of the life cycle of legal systems and, and how much better a picture of legal systems that understands them as a union of primary and secondary rules ultimately guaranteed by the ultimate rule of recognition, which itself is authoritative not on account of any rule, but based on its acceptance, 
then you can explain lots of details about a legal system. And you can explain these things in a way that Austin's command theory or Holmes's prediction theory cannot. Now, I want to reemphasize here before I wind up that acceptance is a term which is tied to the internal point of view. So a real legal system is really complicated. Lots of people are governed and people obey laws and disobey them for all kinds of reasons, uh, including Holmesy and Badman style reasons that a lot of them are predicting consequences and deciding whether to obey the law or not based on those predictions. But here's what Hart says you've got to have in a legal system. You have to have officials, at least officials charged with applying the ultimate rule of recognition. At least some of those, most of them, have to regard that rule from the internal point of view. That means that they have to regard its violation as a reason, a justification for criticism. Otherwise, you'd have chaos. The kind of empirical claim here is, for example, if the only reason that the members of the Supreme Court adhere to the Constitution at all was because they predicted that bad things would happen to them if they didn't, if they didn't really accept it as authoritative, the system wouldn't last. But in in fact, they do treat the Constitution as authoritative. They do accept the ultimate rule from the internal point of view and see departure from that view as grounds to criticize one another. They accept the content of the rule of recognition that the Constitution controls as a guide to their conduct. Now, from this, we get what Hart describes as kind of the practical necessities that you would have to observe for, in order to say that there's a legal system. First, you'd have to say that there's no general habit of disobedience among the populace. You know, if, if people are just routinely flaunting any kind of rule, you can't really say that that's the law. You know, imagine you've got some guy in a street corner who's listing a bunch of rules and edicts saying, these are the rules, this is the law, and people just ignore this guy. Um, in some sense, you know, he's making a system of rules and we could say, well, maybe there's a legal, but you can't really say there's a legal system there. You could say that there's a system of rules espoused by one guy. So you have to have at least no general habit of disobedience. That doesn't mean that everybody has to follow the laws all the time. But if there's a general habit of disobedience, it's hard to say there's a legal system. And secondly, you need to have a, a, a sufficient group of officials accept the ultimate rule of recognition from the internal point of view. If no one is agreeing on an ultimate guide to conduct, an ultimate guide at least to administration of the legal system, then it's hard to say that they're cooperating at all. And and the way that I would actually put this is that a legal system can be identified with cooperation, instances of cooperation. And cooperation means something. And so at least agreement on some basic norm like this, some basic rule, is implicit in cooperation. But we'll explore that a little bit later. (laughs) 